The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. What's up, guys? Brad here. I appreciate you being with us today. So today I'm going to be talking about how I had a house stolen from me. And it's not exactly what it seems. And to, to preface it, I want to say this is not exactly about real estate. We're going to talk about real estate to a certain extent, but this is more about life. You know what I mean? So to put it in perspective, about three years ago, my grandmother passed away and she had the house that I had grown up in for years, you know, and, and I was raised by my grandparents from the time that I was 18 months old. And, and I had a really, really great childhood and upbringing, but it wasn't because of my parents. It was because of my grandparents. Okay. I was very, very close to my grandmother. I mean, she was, I was definitely the closest person to her, I would say. And she was I'm definitely one of the closest people to me and, and maybe the closest, uh, definitely the closest whenever you look at my entire life, you know? So when she got sick and she passed away, I mean, going through it, I didn't realize how difficult it was for me, but it was just insanely difficult. I mean, my entire structure of what support system I had, like was pretty much eliminated, you know? And this is coming from a man in his 30s that really doesn't need a lot of support, you know what I mean? But it was just nice to have someone that you knew was in your corner, right? Long story short, I inherited the house that I grew up in and um, wasn't really sure what to do with it. I've had it vacant for like two and a half, maybe three years now, I guess about three years now. And, um, you know, because I just didn't know what to do with it. And so it's one of those things that when you inherit something, and this goes to, to talk about one of my next podcast episodes, which is going to be we talked about dealing with divorce. We're going to be talking about specifically dealing with inheritance, which is one of our big five motivators that we see in most of our transactions, which are pre-foreclosure, divorce, inheritance, tired landlords, health or safety. Okay. So if we're dealing with one of those five, then we're generally dealing with people that are motivated enough that we can deal structure. Okay. Because these are difficult things and each one has its own psychology behind it as to what the house means for that person. Well, I really didn't understand it as well way back years ago, even though I was buying inheritance properties. And you know, I had the podcast with Sharon and she's really an expert on dealing with probate. But you know, we talked offline. It's like, I really didn't understand how difficult of a situation that was until I lived it. You know, I was the executor and I was getting these phone calls from real estate investors saying, hey, you know, we, we see that there's, you're the executor, we'll buy the house cash and all that. And that was pretty cold. and. There were a couple of people that really navigated that situation well. And although I wasn't their seller, I did appreciate how they went about their business and how they reached out to people. But long story short, I inherited this property, didn't know what to do with it, left it vacant. And I get a, I can't remember who the first person was. It might've been my wife's grandfather. And he, he said, Hey, you know, I saw that you rented the house out. And I was like, no, we, we haven't. It's vacant. And we're doing some subdivision there. So he said, well, I saw some people there. I thought they lived there. Maybe they were just the surveyors, right? Second person was my father-in-law. He said, hey, you know, I saw that there was a table out front in, on the patio in front of the house. So, you know, it sounds like you rented it. And I was like, well, no. Well, guys, I'm sure you can see where this is going. Somebody 
had moved into the house that was where I grew up, you know, so they didn't have a lease, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm dealing with this situation today, Sunday morning, right? So I go there this morning and I see, yes, there is a, a table out front, but there's nobody there. There's no cars, anything. I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's, you know, not really understanding what's going on here, but maybe it's not what I thought it was to begin with, right? So I turn around, I go back down the road, and as I'm going back down passing the house for the second time, somebody pulls in. I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. So I bust a block, come back through, and front door's unlocked, standing wide open, car's in the driveway, and I'm like, okay, this is weird. You know, so I call the police department, deputy comes out, and I'm talking to her on the phone, and, and I'm telling her the story. She says, well, I'm going to wait for my second deputy to come. We're going to clear the house and make sure everything's okay. And, and so she calls me back. And she says, uh, do you know John Smith? And John Smith is not his real name, but uh, this is my cousin, okay? Now, my cousin is not a bad person. You know, like I haven't talked to him in probably 10 years, but I don't think he's a bad person, but he has had a drug problem for quite a while. And frankly, from no fault of his own, I think that he had a pretty bad accident when he was in his late teens or early 20s, uh, had to get life lighted, had like serious, serious injury, was on pain medication for a long, long time because of that. And it's just one of those situations. I mean, the pharmaceutical world is not probably the the most honest world. And there's been a, a lot of now case law that has come out saying that these drug companies knew how addictive these substances were, but really did not disclose that to the public, right? And so we have a situation where he just hasn't been able to get off of painkillers for basically the past 20 or maybe 25 years, you know, a long, long time. So I don't think that at his core, he's a bad person, but I think that he has an addiction. And whenever you have an addiction, you make decisions that addicts would make. And sometimes that's, I'm not going to pay my rent and I'm going to buy this substance so that I can feed this addiction, right? So the deputy says, do you know John Smith? And I said, yeah, I know John Smith. And I'm starting to put two and two together. But long story short, he has commandeered this house. And so uh, the decision that I have to make is what's fair versus what's legal. And, you know, it's very common that although what's legal is one thing, it's not exactly fair. And sometimes it's the opposite. I mean, what's fair is not legal, you know, especially when you have tyrannical governments not saying that's what we have at all. But, you know, it was very illegal to hide Jews in Nazi Germany, but it wasn't very fair, right? So sometimes you have a gray area in the middle. And so my cousin has moved in a couple of people. Uh, one of the ladies has children and, but they don't have a lease. And, you know, I'm, it's just one of those weird situations. And I've talked to a couple of people about it this morning and they're all like, man, I'd be so angry. I'd be so infuriated. And that's not at all what I'm feeling. Like what I'm feeling is really pity because I can't imagine being in my 40s, late 40s or maybe early 50s and, and not having a place to go. It's like, what a terrible, terrible situation that some people put themselves in. And maybe it's not even because they tried to, like they had an accident and got addicted. And, you know, that's a, a spiraling set of decisions that come afterwards, you know, and it's really, really difficult to come back from that. And a lot of, some people do, some people get addicted and, and they're able to get off of that. And it's not a long-term issue for them after they beat that addiction. But so far, my cousin has not been able to do that. But that's the real estate part of it. What I want to submit to you is that where you come from is not where you're going. You know, it's like I had a, a good upbringing, but it, it certainly wasn't because of my parents. It was because of my grandparents. And, 
you know, I had some uncles and aunts that were helpful along the way, but most of them were, were siblings of my grandmother and my grandfather. And so it's a difficult situation, I think, sometimes to be faced with your past, you know, and my past is that I have some family members that are just not great citizens, you know, and they make pretty bad decisions and, you know, but that's not the life that I chose. And that's not the life that you have to choose. I just, I felt like somebody needed to hear that. You know, your future is not based on your past. It's based on the present and it's based on your present decisions that you have to make. So if we look at it, life is really nothing but a series of choices. And you take two people that have similar beginnings at, say, they start at 30 years old, okay? And at age 30, they're in very similar places, economically, socially, all of those things. And you take one person at 50 is far, far, far more successful than the other person at 50. Well, I can really only attribute that to the difference in choice that people make, right? You know, you make a choice to start a business. You make a choice to marry the right spouse. You make a choice to take care of your health. And all of those have cataclysmic consequences later down the road, right? It's very similar to compound interest. You know, you look at the idea of compound interest. It's like you start with something and you build on it and you build on it and you build on it. And time is a great equalizer. And I tell people that all the time. Like if you're starting in the business, especially with real estate, you're one deal away. You're one deal away from having a real business. Because when I started, I had like $300 in the bank. I got a 20K down payment. I took 4000 out of that $20,000 and I began to market. And then we started doing deals every month, then a couple times a month, then every week and a couple times a week. And that's how it can snowball over time. But you have to make the choice to get started. You know, and I look at other people, it's like, good Lord, like people in their late 40s and 50s don't even have a place to stay. They don't even have a place to stay. They can't even take care of themselves. And it's just, it's a terrible situation. So anyway, you know, what we decided to do, uh, especially since this lady has children, apparently she didn't know that my cousin didn't have access to the house. He told her, yeah, this is one of my houses kind of thing. Like God only knows. But uh, we're going to give them a week. I felt like that was fair. We're going to give them a week to move from the property. We're going to show up next Sunday and see how that goes. But, you know, at the end of the day, your past is not your future. And I felt like somebody needed to hear that. And that's what I've been thinking about this morning. It's like, had these people made better choices, they wouldn't be where they are. But luckily, we all have the ability to make choices. So hope that makes sense, guys. Appreciate you being with us. We'll catch you next time. Happy investing.